Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's so funny, as we move forward and hear new developments in this battle against the coronavirus, we know they're coming, right? We've known for some time that Johnson & Johnson was working on presenting its data, its findings, its analysis and testing to the FDA in, obviously, its effort to secure uh, emergency authorization for its use. Well, they have taken a giant leap towards that. In fact, we have heard uh, from those within the FDA saying that uh, authorization is imminent. And in fact, the data submitted by Johnson & Johnson satisfies the criteria necessary for the FDA to deem this product safe and effective and able to be used in this emergency setting. We've known this is coming. And yet somehow, as I sit here right now speaking to you, I got this uh, grin on my face from ear to ear because I'm so excited about the implications. Again, we've known this is coming. We've also known, too, that we are a, a, a resilient species that can overcome anything. And this, today, what we have learned, the FDA saying, yep, uh, Johnson & Johnson, you are just about ready to join the club of those companies fighting against this nasty virus. Get ready because it's almost your turn. It feels incredible. It feels wonderful. It feels hopeful. Now, listen, I know that there are some of you out there. This pool of people is shrinking, though, I'll point out. There are those out there who remain skeptical of the vaccine and I of any of these vaccines. I know they're coming out faster than any vaccine has been put to market in history. I know. I know that, unfortunately, politics has been inserted into this storyline from nearly day one. But we are learning more and more every day. And I think most importantly, uh, you and I uh, are able to witness firsthand, firsthand, that much of the science preached on this issue is proving to be true. So with that said, with that said, what about this return to normalcy? Today's uh, episode of Live Mike is going to be heavy on polling data. We we combed through tons of polling data here this morning. We talked uh, already uh, about a poll that is forthcoming about states uh, and their ability to set minimum wages. Uh, Scott Rasmussen poll indicating that 61% of Americans want um, want states to set the minimum wage. Only 30% favor a national standard. 
And now, on this question of a return to normalcy, uh, the same Scott Rasmussen put forth the following question to Utahns. uh, Regarding the COVID-19 pandemic, when do you think life will be back to normal? I'm going to walk through uh, the the findings here and the responses from Utahns, but let me ask you, and you can write back via the Utah Community Credit Union text line. It's 57500. When do you think life will be back to normal? When do you think, right? Put on your armchair epidemiologist hat. Put your uh, uh, armchair virologist hat. Put on your sociology hat. Because we're drawn from our expertise in all of these various uh, disciplines. When both the science will lead us to a place where normalcy is safe and most importantly, and maybe even maybe even more so than the science, but the, the mentality and the comfort level and the confidence that you and I will hopefully soon have uh, run into each other face to face, giving high fives and hugs and pats on the back getting together shoulder to shoulder at concerts and movie theaters and sporting events. That's normalcy. Family reunions. Going to visit grandma and grandpa at the nursing home without worrying about infecting them and shortening their lives. Being able to hop on an airplane and travel to some other time zone and wrap your arms around the loved one that moved away a few years ago. The one you haven't seen since, what, two Christmases ago? Here's what Utahns think. 2% of Utahns think that we will be back to normal in one to two months. 2%. One to two months, 2%. Three to six months from now, 12%. This fall, I'll I'll tell you, I'm in the this fall category, along with 21% of Utahns. I'm guessing that by this fall, after the vaccine becomes more widely available, I think as uh, the natural growth of herd immunity becomes uh, more pervasive, I think that, and also as, as our confidence in, increases, as the fear subsides, I think this fall I might be handshaking strangers and standing shoulder to shoulder with them at the sports arena. One year from now, one year from now, 27% of Utahns uh, predict that a return to normalcy, that life will go back to normal in one year's time, 27%. Several years from now, 20% and 19% are unsure. What do you think? 57500, that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, oh, here's one, pessimistic with two exclamation points, all caps, never. I don't think so. I got more faith in Utahns and Americans and human beings than that. We're going to get back to normal. Another guess is about six to eight months. Another one says we will not go back to normal. This will be the new normal for all of us. The new normal life will start next year. How about the vaccine? How about the vaccine here in Utah? I want to share with you some of the words uh, spoken by Tom Hudako with the uh, State Department of Health this morning as he joined uh, Dave and Dejanovic on their program. First question asked was, where do things stand with Utah getting the vaccine? There was really good news from all the vaccine manufacturers yesterday. Uh, Both Pfizer and Moderna combined expect to have about 200 million doses by the end of March, and and Utah gets a little under 1% of those doses. Uh, Johnson & Johnson should also be on board with about 20 million doses by the end 
end of March. The numbers are, are continuing to trend in the right direction. Heck yeah, Johnson & Johnson joining the party soon. That's going to be good. Speaking of returning to normalcy, uh, Tom Hudako was asked about what factors the state, state of Utah, is looking at for a possible return to normalcy. Really, the, the win for us is, is hospital capacity and being able to preserve uh, the capability of our hospitals to treat the sickest of the sick. So not just hospital capacity, but looking at ICU capacity. Uh, and, and those numbers have been trending in a positive direction. Of course, we look at we look at the raw case count number because that is indicative of, of what's coming in terms of hospitalization. So when our case counts go up, we, we see an increase in hospitalizations, usually you know, 10 days to, to 14 days. Uh, after we start to see that increase. So uh, really the win for us is is preserving capacity in, in our hospitals. Let me tell you the numbers for today. 222 Utahns currently hospitalized with COVID-19. That is fewer than yesterday. The other trends, the seven-day rolling average for percent positivity, 6.1%. That is lower than it was yesterday. This rolling seven-day average for positive tests, 768 per day. That is lower than it was yesterday. All of these numbers indicate two things. Number one, that we are doing what's necessary to combat this virus and we are doing it effectively. Number two, it means that we are marching forward towards a return to normalcy. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And when Johnson & Johnson gets in the game, it's only going to happen faster. That's where my confidence lies. I hope it's where yours is. And the polling and the data and the conversations that are taking place around kitchen tables just like yours seem to indicate that we are coming together in this fight against the coronavirus. Oh, I hate saying that word. I can't wait for next year when I don't have to utter that nasty word coronavirus ever again. Man. I didn't expect to get so fired up. I'm just looking forward to traveling to that other time zone and put my arms around Mama and Papa. And this is how we get there. Quick break. When we return, ABC News correspondent Mark Remillard brings us up to speed on precisely where Johnson & Johnson stands and what it means in terms of the numbers. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike, episode number 285 pretty good i'm proud of that number it continues to grow each day of course uh 122 is the time here at ksl news radio we are discussing uh really two things uh big picture it is the steady march towards our return to normalcy there was a fascinating poll conducted by scott rasmussen recently published in the deseret news there are some remarkable findings remarkable findings uh regarding the attitude of utahns particularly when it comes to when we think life will go back to normal, when, when is it coming? And, and what does normal mean? Well, the, the survey doesn't spell that out. You have to decide for yourself, as this question is put to you, when do you think life will go back to normal? Let me give you the, the results of the poll real quickly. Uh, 2% of Utahns believe normalcy will return in one to two months. 12% of Utahns believe it'll happen within the next three to six months. And 21%, and I'm going to include myself in this batch here, 21% of respondents to the question, when do you think life will go back to normal? Uh, 21% believe it will happen this fall. My belief is that uh, following the summer uh, that we will get to return to something resembling normalcy. What does that look like to me? Well, it's uh, it's sitting side by side at the movie theater. 
It's standing shoulder to shoulder at the concerts. It is going to, uh, you know, sporting events, uh, maybe going to high school sports and not having to, uh, you know, prove whether or not you're a parent of the child or uh, whatever. And that way we'll be able to get back to uh, some kind of normalcy. 27%. Of the respondents to this question, Utahns, when do you think life will go back to normal? 27% say a year from now. 20% say several years from now, which is heartbreaking. I'm sorry, do you, do you 20% several years from now believing that's when normalcy is going to return? Oof. I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I hope you're wrong. And I, I hope you can overcome that pessimism. I try to be optimistic. 19% not sure. And that's probably the wisest response because how do we know? You know? Nothing nothing about this coronavirus has been predictable thus far. Anyway, uh, we are standing by waiting to hear from uh, our partner at ABC News, uh, Mark Remillard. He has been assigned today to follow the developments in the storyline surrounding the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. What we have thus far learned today is that Johnson & Johnson has received word from uh, those within the FDA saying that the data presented meets the requirements for emergency use authorization. That the review process through which companies pass uh, when the FDA is evaluating their data and their product and deciding whether or not to grant emergency use, FDA says Johnson & Johnson's made it. And so the, the, the very basic question is, uh, what does that mean? How fast, how long do we have to wait until the, the emergency use authorization is, in fact, granted? And how far down the line has Johnson & Johnson and the distributors and the supply chain? Is it a question of green light from the FDA, then hours later into the arms? Let's get the answers to those types of questions from Mark Remillard, who joins us now from ABC News. Mark, welcome to the program. How you doing? Hey, very good. Thanks for having me. What's the latest on this Johnson & Johnson? So they have satisfied requirements but not yet received the authorization. We'll walk through those details. Yeah, so the FDA has uh, had its own uh, group of scientists essentially go through the submission from Johnson & Johnson, who has uh, you know, some filed paperwork with the FDA, uh, you know, explaining its safety data, the efficacy data, those kinds of things from all of its clinical trials. And uh, as part of their request that it be given an emergency use authorization here in the U.S. So the FDA scientists have gone through and looked at this. And what we have today is their announcement, essentially, that they've found the vaccine to be safe, uh, as well as uh, largely effective in preventing uh, moderate and severe cases of COVID-19, but also very effective in preventing the most serious forms of illness from COVID-19. So now what will happen is tomorrow, an independent board, um, non-FDA members, mm. will scrutinize this data in an all-day hearing. They'll take public comment on it as well before they make a recommendation to the FDA about what they think. Do they think that this uh, vaccine should be approved? Then the FDA will make a final determination. Uh, with the other two vaccines, it came very quickly. Within within 24 hours, we had word from the FDA, uh, given the uh, serious and emergency nature of all of this. That third-party evaluation, uh, which includes public comment, that for Moderna and Pfizer and BioNTech, that, that all happened very smoothly. There were no hang-ups there or, or concerns inserted by those groups? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they do raise questions, you know, because uh, they, they've gone through the vaccine uh, clinical trials. But, you know, there's still a lot of questions with some of these things. Like, for example, one of the issues that was brought up during the Pfizer and Moderna trials were what data do we have on uh, giving this vaccine to pregnant women, sure. for example? Well, there wasn't a lot of data on that. So the board essentially uh, was questioning these things, asking representatives from the company, what do you know about this? Do we have any information about these kinds of things? And so they, they would do their best to answer it, essentially. But at the end of the day, the, there's really one question that this board is looking to answer, and it's do the benefits outweigh the risks? Mm. And that's the recommendation that they make. And so even though they didn't have data on pregnant women, for example, or they didn't have a lot of data on uh, the safety and efficacy within minority groups, they had some but not a ton, they still agreed at the end of the day that the benefits outweighed the risk. And so that's what we might see tomorrow. There's likely gaps in the data for Johnson & Johnson. They just don't know everything about it. But at the end of the day, the question is, do the benefits outweigh the risks? Does this third-party uh, evaluative group, does it have uh, like veto power, or does this ultimately rest entirely on the shoulders of the FDA and its authority? It rests with the FDA. They can make the final determination. This board is simply there to advise and, and to make that determination so they can recommend it or not recommend it. The FDA could go one way or the other. The board could say, we don't think this is a good thing, and the FDA can overrule that or vice versa. So the final decision does rest with the FDA. And in, in terms of, like, let's go down the road a bit. The FDA ultimately does deem this uh, you know, safe and effective, uh, and the emergency use authorization is granted how long before there are Johnson & Johnson vaccines in the arms of Americans? It uh, could be uh, within, a, within a week because uh, just today, uh, Jeff Zantz, who's the uh, coordinator for the Biden administration's response to COVID-19, said that uh, if this is approved this week, so let's say we have the hearing tomorrow and let's say the FDA approves it within 24 hours or so, so Saturday presumably, then uh, he said that another three to four million doses of COVID vaccines could be added to the weekly allocation next week. So right now, I think we're at 14.1 million doses going out to states and, and another two million doses going out to retail pharmacies. So you have about 16 million doses uh, of, of going out uh, each week right now. Add three, four million to that potentially from uh, Johnson & Johnson. Now, the company says that they expect to add uh, or provide 20 million doses by the end of March and 100 million by the end of summer. So and, and you're talking about one shot here. So this could be very uh, uh, important in ramping up our vaccination efforts. No question. Huge, huge. Good news all around. Uh, Mark Remillard, thank you so much for your insight here. Mark Remillard, ABC News correspondent, getting us up to speed on the latest with Johnson & Johnson. The news coming that the FDA has announced that the requirements needed for emergency use authorization have been met by Johnson & Johnson. A third party review board will look things over and the highest likelihoods is that this vaccine is making its way into the arms of Americans very, very soon. Mark, thanks again. Quick break. When we return, we're going to look at the state budget. There is a surplus, not a small one either, a big one. And it comes despite the challenges we endured over this past year and the coronavirus. Question is, what to do with that money? We'll look at some polling and we'll hear from Speaker of the House Brad Wilson next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. 
The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.